T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2, to right field, Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history! You're listening to The Joe O Show on 670 The Score. At least you'll have that moment from the 2020 baseball season. I know a lot of you Sox fans, of course, hoping for a deep run, but you did have that night. And something you won't forget, just because nobody was there. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. My name is Joe Ostrowski. Uh, let's get to uh, Lucas Giolito. Cubs fans, we got something for you in a few minutes from Jed Hoyer. Had a, a few notable things that I want to react to. But uh, let's start with Lucas Giolito, since uh, we just spoke with Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com. And, uh, of course, he was asked, hey, uh, hey Lucas, is uh, this the best rotation in the game? Yeah, I think this rotation can be one of, if not the best in baseball. Um, you know, Lance brings a bulldog mentality. Guy takes the ball and goes deep. Um, his track record has been fantastic the last few years. So, uh, and another veteran presence too, a guy that's come from winning organizations. Um, you know, he can, you know, kind of guide the way for, for younger starters like myself who haven't pitched deep in the playoffs and things like that. And so I haven't really gotten to like sit down and talk with him too much yet. I just, I just met him today, but yeah, he brings a lot to the table. Uh, back of end of our rotation, we have a few options uh, that I think are fantastic. Um, watching Cease, uh, Ronaldo, Carlos, I, I've, I've been watching them throw. Um, you know, some light bullpen work, and and their stuff looks very, very good right now. I can tell they've been putting work in this off season. So uh, now we just you know continue to grow from there. Lucas, we heard so much last year when you guys were going to the postseason that no matter how long your run lasted, that was going to be really valuable experience for you guys. Obviously, you didn't get as far as you'd like, but what did you guys learn from that postseason series last year that you can apply to, to your goals for this year? The biggest thing I learned um, was, you know, as nervous as I was before that game, like once I stepped between the lines through pitch one, it, you know, it was a start just like any other. Um you know, there's no reason to put extra pressure on yourself or think that you have to do more because, you know, if you trust in your, you trust in your work, you trust in your preparation, then you're just going to go out there and and do what you do. Um, That's kind of what I took away from it. Uh, I think that for our team as a whole, uh, we were definitely disappointed after, um, you know, getting knocked out in the first round wasn't what we kind of had in the cards, but you know, that disappointment is only going to serve as motivation for now, I think. So, yeah, I mean, 
that's pretty much the goal is just keep keep getting deeper and deeper into the playoffs. Hey, Lucas, you guys had a, obviously a good team last year, and you could see in the time we had access up until the middle of March, a good clubhouse too. Did you feel like there might have been maybe a little bit of an edge missing to kind of, I think Tim Anderson talked about this recently on a podcast about kind of put the foot on the throat and kind of finish things off. And maybe that's understandable because it was your group's first year moving from rebuild into a contending team. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, when we clinched a playoff spot, we, we might've, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say let off the gas, but it was like, kind of like a relief, like, Oh, cool. Like we made it, you know, we, we got in the playoffs and then, you know, we all know that we kind of went on a bad stretch, like immediately after that, that was definitely a big learning experience. Um, I think that after last year, we're really going to kind of adapt that mentality TA was talking about where we need to step on throats. We need to try and kill other teams like until the very end. It doesn't matter what our record is. doesn't matter if we're in the playoffs, if we're leading the division, that doesn't matter at all. All that matters is that we go out there expecting to win a game every single day, no matter if it's, April or September or the postseason, and we have that killer instinct, that killer mentality as a whole, and we just get the job done because, um, yeah, I don't think there's any, any more room for premature celebration. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the lead from that conversation. Lucas Giolito, one of the real good dudes, nice guys in the game. Here, here's the thing we let up and it was evident as soon as we clinched our spot we said we're in and it was like a relief we need to step on throats we need to kill other teams I love hearing that probably shouldn't put too much into it but hey I mean the man said I, he wasn't trying to put it out there as we weren't trying that hard last year once we secured our spot but if you if you give him an inch, it's gonna take a mile. Sean, did you see that last year with the Sox? That once they locked up their spot, it was I, I guess it was more of a relief. And now they're taking the approach that we need to kill other teams. Maybe it's something they're they're talking about internally, because like it or not, look at the hire of the manager. Isn't he a guy that kind of fits that? Yeah, I think that narrative could, I mean, it's it's definitely there. I, I think when I look at the end of the season for the Sox, though, I think we talked about it a ton during the time. It was Renteria. They didn't have a third starter. But well, it, they didn't it, have a third starter. They didn't have a third store, a starter. Keiko was hurt. And also a lot of those mistakes were blamed on Rick Renteria and his mismanagement, throwing Carlos Rodon out, you know, out of the bullpen, hasn't had a start yet. That's his first job in a high leverage situation. There's a ton of... of situations like that where you feel that Rick Renteria lost them games where they might not have showed up. So I, I didn't really feel like they took their foot off the gas at all, but I do feel like obviously they lost momentum down the, after they clinched the uh, playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, Renteria's not a good manager. I, I don't want to act like I'm defending him because I, I did my share of shows criticizing some of his moves or just uh, his strategy in 2020, but like, come on, man. He didn't he didn't have the weapons. Like it's not his fault that everyone he threw out there was walking batters. Like, you know, they didn't have a, a starter. They didn't add at the deadline. That was their choice. And then, okay, let's use the manager as a scapegoat. I get it. There was room to upgrade, and like Larusa or not, I think they did upgrade at manager. But it's not like it was all his fault. You got to give him something to work with, and you kind of need a third starter if you want to advance in the postseason. Well, they got one this year. As long as they can stay healthy, they certainly have uh, three starters, and baseball will happen, and we'll find out if they have a fourth or fifth starter. We'll see. I'm hopeful that they do. Uh, don't know that SP4 or 5 is going to start with the team at the in the beginning of the season. Maybe there's an addition at the trade deadline. They, they certainly... Certainly seem like uh, they are more willing to spend this year. Want to prove to everyone that the Larusa move is right, and they're going to keep on adding. And we'll see if they add a corner outfielder, a DH spot, another starter down the road. If they need bullpen help, we'll find out. I think uh, I think they will. 
just because this is the team in mid-February. You know how this goes. If you're talented, you're in the mix. That's not going to be the team you end up with. 312-644-6767. What about on the north side? Uh, let's hear from Jed Hoyer. Uh, this is a few days after, of course, the Jake Arietta signing. And uh, the key thing here is pay close attention to what Hoyer says about trade talks with the Mets involving Chris Bryant. Your fan base now has heard in consecutive seasons, projection over performance, year of transition, the offense breaking, and now going to a year of transition. Why should your fan base believe in this group, specifically on the offensive end, again, when besides Jock coming in, the group is still basically the same? No, I mean, it's a fair question. And I think we've talked about that a little bit. You know, we've um, we believe in this group and and there's been you know moments that we've been proven right. And there have been moments you know, recently that, that we haven't been proven right. Um, but ultimately, I, you know, I think this is a really talented offensive group. Um, we've struggled in certain aspects um, of the game that we have to improve on. And I think, you know, you know, Rossi and I have spent you know, a ton of time over the course of the winter talking about how we can, you know, get this group um, back to where they belong. I think when you look at the, the names, uh, you know, the names in the lineup, I think that they're, it's a really good lineup. I think we have to do a better job as a collective of, of, of putting that together and scoring runs. And the you know, two things I've, that I would emphasize are hitting velocity, which is something we got away from last year and was certainly exposed against the Marlins who had, you know, two really hard throwing you know, starting pitchers. And then our decision-making has degraded over the last you know, three or four years. And we have to do a better job making decisions in the box of, of grinding at bats. So, you know, of, you know, um, you know, just like, for example, full counts, I think we, we, we've, we've struggled. And so I think we have to do a better job making decisions. And so those are the kind of two areas we'll probably emphasize this spring offensively, but um, yeah, I think we, I think um, we have the pieces here to have a really good offense. And now we need to put it together. How fluid is this roster at this point, as you guys open spring training, would you anticipate more additions and, and also um, I mean, beyond additions, uh, the, how do you, how would you characterize the chances that somebody makes that phone call you referred to on the last zoom and, and, and a trade happens during spring training? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of good players on the free agent market. So we are you know, certainly in contact with a lot of agents. Um, you know, I think everything kind of trended later this year. So it's probably, you know, there, there's probably more of a chance of a, of minor league deals, you know, um, happening than, than typically when you start spring training. But I think, by and large, I would expect this is what our team's going to look like. Uh, I don't, I don't expect um, major transactions from a free agent nature going forward. Now, as far as the trades go, um, you know, right now we're not currently engaged um, in any trade talk. We haven't been actually for for a little while now. And so, uh, could someone make that phone call? Yeah, someone could, but am I? I'm not anticipating it because right now, you know we're not engaged in anything and, and um, we haven't been for a bit. So, it, you know, I don't, I don't expect it, I guess is probably the, the simplest way to say it, but you never know who knows what, what injury could happen or what thing could change in, some, in someone else's camp, but I'm not expecting it. I'm expecting that for the most part, this is going to be the group that we, that we open up against Pittsburgh with. So that Matt stuff was inaccurate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we were involved, I would say that the, 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 uh, we were involved in a lot of rumors this year that were, um, some were just completely inaccurate. And then, and then I would say some were just sort of, um, exaggerated the, the seriousness uh, of those, of those discussions. So, um, you know, certainly, you know, teams called us and we had, we had discussions and, um, but as far as like, you know, active, discussions you know right now you know, things are quiet and they, like i said they have been for for some time yeah along the lines uh, 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 about the walk years uh i mean Baez, rizzo and bryant very popular players i mean are the odds against all three leaving i mean is what should cub fans prepare for the worst there or do you really think at least one or two are going to be back i mean I, I i'll phrase that differently I, I mean obviously um you know these guys have been fantastic cubs that that 
you know, did something historic together. And so, I mean, I think the Cub, as a rightfully Cubs nation sort of owes that group, a, a you know, um, a debt of gratitude and they're always going to be legends for the Cubs. Like, you know, we've said all along very clearly, we'd like to keep some of these players. We, that'd be great, but it's unrealistic to keep all of the players that were a, a significant part of, of 2016. And, and that's just, that's just the reality. So, um, as I've said, you know, I think I'll, I'll definitely sit down with these guys during spring training and, and talk to them about their futures and talk to them about, you know, we'll talk about contracts. We'll also we'll talk in general. I think that that's one of the things that I felt like, you know, was missed last year that hopefully we can do a little bit more of is, just, you know, getting a chance to sit down and talk. So uh, we'll have discussions over the course of the spring. It's a perfect time for it. Um, but and nothing's changed on that on that front, you know. I'd love to have that continuity and, and have some of these guys going forward. But, you know, we've said like this financially, it, it, it's impossible for any team to be able to continue that and, and to continue that group um, indefinitely. And, 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 and as a result, you know, we won't be able to keep that entire group together. Jed Hoyer, president of baseball ops for the Cubs today, meeting with the media as the team is getting set to show up in Arizona. He's very, very careful. With those trade talks, that's what I'm saying. Denied uh, some of the trade talks we were hearing about the KB and the Mets. But just because this is the team that he expects to show up to start the season, I mean, that just could be lack of interest elsewhere. Like he never said, okay, we're going to finish the season with these guys, our core guys, Chris Bryant's going to be here. No, of course not. Why would he say that? Because that would be an outright lie. But in this season, after many teams lost many, many dollars, they're not looking to trade away cheap young talent, right? Like that's that's part of this. That's the challenge for the Cubs. Are you going to find a team desperate enough that uh, also believes that your talent, which has been disappointing over the last couple of seasons, is going to bounce back in the little time they're going to be with my team? No, no. Now, when a division or playoff spot is on the line, maybe teams will act differently, but they're going to try and figure out what they have. Does it make much sense, if you think you're going to be in the mix, does it make much sense to make the trade and give up more for an entire season of a player when you don't know what you're going to have in your team? Probably not. Let's play 50 games, 60 games. Let's see what we have. Half, go halfway through the season. And then hopefully uh, you won't have to give up as much uh, later on if you uh, revisit some of those talks. Joe Ostrowski with you, Sports Radio 670. This court, that, again, the fascinating part, I brought this up with Josh Nelson earlier to me, is we are so used to talking about these five-man rotations. The Cubs certainly look like they would qualify as a team that could go some of the time with a six-man rotation, right? After Hendricks, we're talking about Davies, Arietta. Elk Mills, Alzali, Trevor Williams, in some order. And then maybe some other dudes. Six-man rotation would make a lot of sense over on the north side. Maybe not so much on the south side, but the north side, I could certainly see that happening. That would make a lot of sense. And maybe Joe Madden did not want to do that during his time. And much sense doing it in a 60-game season? Probably not. But over 162, maybe it's something that that team is considering. Uh, 312-644-6767. That is how you could text in. 312-644-6767. The score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Speaking of BetQL, check out my show BetQL Daily. It airs live on the Radio.com app at 9 a.m. to noon. Or just subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Going to talk some bulls next with our very own Cody Westerland right here on 670 The Score in the Radio.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. McConnell over the midcourt line. McConnell comes up shooting out of the pull up right of the lane, popped out. Rebound Bulls. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 120 to 112 in overtime over Indiana. I'm getting out the dancing shoes because the Bulls get a W, winning in Indiana for the first time in 2016, Bill. Wow. Yeah. You're listening to The Joe O Show on 670 The Score. Oh, I saw the video, Chuck. I saw it tweeted out at 670, the score, the dance from our very own Chuck Swirsky. Man, I, I feel like I can't say anything because I'm not much of a dancer. But I, I hope, I hope I'm a little bit better than Chuck. We'll find out. It's been a while since I've danced. I'm getting out Maybe the dancing a, shoes. <laughs> I don't think he had the dancing shoes. He needs the good dancing shoes. That will help him just a little bit. Joe Ostrowski here. Sports Radio 670, the score. Let's talk Bulls with Cody Westerlin. He joins me on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue or AP Ford. Dot com at Cody Westerland on Twitter. You read his work, 670thescore.com. Cody, listen, man, don't wait for your life to happen. You've got to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? I knew you were going to lead with that. I just knew it. You end up on NBC Sports Chicago one time, and Joe, like a hawk, is watching everything, post-game coverage. So I end up on the, uh, the big screen Zoom call, and Joe does not care about me, does not care about the question, does not care about Billy Donovan's response, cares about what pictures and photos and inspirational quotes are hanging on the wall. I had no idea what was being asked or Donovan's response. I was just <laughs> staring at the uh, – was that attributed to someone, or is it just something you find in the store? Do you hang it on your wall because it's kind of motivational? I mean, I would attribute it to my fiance. I wouldn't attribute it to me. So okay. um, I, I wow. support Big it. News. it Throwing it wrong, out there. It would be wrong to say that I uh, approve or I chose it. I approved it of cer- certainly. Have you made this public knowledge in the past that you do have a fiance? Yeah, I have. I think Shane might have okay. said something on air, not when people are paying attention to me in the afternoon show or anything. But yeah, um, had I told you, I don't know if I had. You had. You did. Okay. You did. Okay. I congratulated yeah. you. Okay, I'm that's sure good. I can yeah, you're a nice guy. Tell of my course congrats. you would. <laughs> I, it's like a pandemic. You can't remember when you saw anyone the last time and told them, like, I haven't seen anyone from work in over a year, basically, almost 11 months. You know that. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I could see from time to time people that text with me don't know if I'm being sarcastic or not without seeing me. Yeah, that's that's very that's very true. I, I get your tone on air better than in text sometimes. I'll say that much. Okay, good, good. Uh, Bulls sitting 11 and 15 on the year. Nice win in overtime to finally end the bad run against the Pacers. Now it's not the Pacers we all think about, but here, okay, here, 
decent sample size, 11 and 15. How would you describe that 11 and 15? Well, I think it's uh, it's been a little disappointing with the defensive struggles lately in a few ruts. But, I mean, if you think back to opening night, I think the second game of the year, playing the Pacers too, like the Bulls have, have shown progress. Like, I think I would agree with that without a doubt. But it kind of feels like they've settled in, and we know what this team is, right? They're going to have turnover problems. And when they move the ball and limit those turnover problems just a little bit, they're going to have an offense that – can get them to compete with any team in the NBA on any given night. And then the question flips to the other end, and they haven't been good enough at defense. Uh, certainly that was more of a struggle with Wendell Carter out for three, three and a half weeks with the quad contusion before he returned last night to kind of help spark the Bulls. Uh, but this is a team that young and has growing pains and has Zach Levine carrying him in a big way on a lot of nights. So they're competitive, but certainly uh, unrefined is a good way to put it. Like you can see all these young mistakes still. So it's kind of uh, interesting in the fact that what, this is the fourth rebuilding year, I think for the fan base, but in many ways for like Billy Donovan and the new regime, obviously this is year one for them. So they're treating a lot of things in year one. Um, just in their approach as well when it comes to letting guys play through struggles sometimes and stuff like that. As they should. It just makes me laugh so much as, uh, you know, we're about a month away from the trade deadline and we already have players sitting out games because they might be traded. And you, you, you see some of the fans over. Well, we've got to add. The, no, you don't. This thing just started. Let's ease up a little bit. They're still trying to figure out exactly what they have on the roster. Can you explain uh, what happened with tomorrow against Charlotte and what's going to happen with tomorrow against Detroit? Yes, the Bulls were supposed to play in Charlotte against the Hornets on Wednesday night. They'll now be playing at the United Center on late notice against the Detroit Pistons, uh, who were supposed to visit the Dallas Mavericks. But uh, I think we know well the snowstorm that hit Chicago has hit other parts of the U.S. and caused power outages there. So uh, the Pistons were available. The Bulls were in need of opponent after the Hornets got kind of sidelined by the contact tracing protocol because they played the San Antonio Spurs on Sunday night and the Spurs had four individuals in their organization test positive. So uh, it's a jigsaw puzzle a lot of the times for the NBA and they changed this one at the last minute. So the Bulls will still have a game tomorrow night and it'll be a game against one of the worst teams in the NBA and the Detroit Pistons. So if you want to make that playoff push for the 10 seed, this is this is one of those that falls under the really need to win category. Were you surprised to see Wendell Carter back almost exactly like they were hoping four weeks later? Uh, he actually came back like three weeks later, basically from the day that, uh, they announced he'd be out four weeks. He'd been out three and a half weeks or so. I was surprised. Yeah. Because it kind of went along and like, we hadn't even asked Billy Donovan in like a week or more about Wendell's progress. Cause like they weren't really that close to the timeline yet. Then we asked Billy on Sunday. I think it was about Wendell. He's like, Oh yeah, he's practicing. He's pretty close, you know? (laughs) And then all of a sudden he's questionable. Then he's back in there. Not only is he back in there, but he's starting and, Playing well, I I thought he looked really spry and like was moving well for for being a big man. Obviously, like I think he took was it Sabonis off the dribble one time, went to the hoop for a bucket. But um, I thought I thought it was really encouraging. And uh, I know the Daniel start Daniel Gafford movement had started when he was coming off the bench and just throwing down alley oop dunks and blocking shots here and there off the bench early in the year. Well, we found out why the Bulls need Wendell Carter Jr. so much after Gafford had to start because it's a lot more difficult. Uh, and Wendell Carter Jr., he's he's not a star. He's I don't even know, you know, if he's in the top half of the league, obviously, at his position. But for this team, he's a stabilizing influence. And I think that was showcased against the Pacers last night. Just he rebounds well and he plays better positional defense. And the team needed that. Uh, do you think some of the top tier teams like the Lakers now they're dealing with an AD injury? And anytime you hear Achilles thrown out there, they'll say calf injury, but Oh, yeah, by the way, aggravated Achilles. You you don't want to hear that if you're a Lakers fan and the Jazz are going on an unbelievable run to start the season. This, you know, they they obviously can't keep up at this pace. And many expect the Nets to win the East after adding James Harden, but they've had their issues so far. Just the top tier, it's you may have six teams in some order. But it's not defined. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people expected us to be talking about the Sixers and the Jazz as title contenders. Do you think it will impact the Bulls' uh, 
availability or just options to maybe move Zach Levine? Well, I think, oh, that's a good question. I thought for a second you were going to say Thad Young. And I was going to say uh, in this sense, like it's certainly going to be a buyer's market because there is no team like the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry Warriors, where it felt like it was just one or two teams had a chance. A lot more teams uh, certainly helps the buyer's market, helps the sellers, I should say. I should say it's a seller's market in the sense that's where the value is, but a lot of buyers is what I'm saying, and especially with the playoffs getting extended to 10 teams in each conference, the last few uh, battling for the play-in game into the final eight. Like, that's an opportunity for the Bulls. I don't think it's going to affect Zach Levine that much this year. I, I don't expect Zach to get traded at this deadline. I do think Thad Young um, is probably more likely than not to be traded um, come March 25th, but just the way Zach's played so well, uh, I think that certainly one elevates his price, and I think it's harder for teams to pay a really high price in season than it is out of season sometimes. And I know the James Harden trade went down, and that was basically all of the Nets draft picks forever and everything, and they also had Jared Allen leaving in the deal and Karis LeVert and stuff like that. But just Sometimes when you have these, it seems more likely they take place in the offseason or around the NBA draft or something. So because of Zach's spectacular play, I think it's more likely the Bulls hang on to him for the rest of this year because they still want to see what they can build around him, obviously. I mean, I know we've now had, what, 26 games of evidence and he's really raised his game, but they could have visions of other people they can put around him and they still have a lot of discussions and they still want to see him do it for a whole year too, more than just 26 games. I mean, certainly I think that's going to be the case, but um, you got to go through the teams. And then the other t- thing to remember, Joe, that's really important is because there's been so many high profile trades in the NBA, so many draft picks changing hands. If you think about like the Thunder and the Pelicans, just how many draft picks they have from getting, uh, from trading Paul George and Anthony Davis to Los Angeles, respectively. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of contenders don't have a lot of good first-round draft picks in the next year or two to give up. Like, a lot of these picks are really far down the line. And if you're the Bulls and are going to trade Zach Levine, you want another young um, star to get back, or you want high draft picks. And just, there's not a lot of high draft picks right now available in season, and it's a little different, not to get in too much of the nitty-gritty, but like, on draft night, around draft night, that changes a little bit because after someone makes a pick, you can't trade first-round picks two years in a row, for example. If the draft just happened, you could technically trade the player you drafted, for example, or something like that. So um, I think that's why it's going to be challenging to trade Zach Levine in season, even if the Bulls wanted to, and we don't currently have in- indications that they want to anyway. They want to see what he's doing and how they can build around him right now because uh, he's extended, ex- ascended to that next level in, in a really big manner for them. With Cody Westerland at Cody Westerland on Twitter, covers the Bulls 670thescore.com. 25 games into uh, Patrick Williams' career. Do you have a Patrick Williams take? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not quite as high on him as everyone else is, just like the buzz. I don't get as excited, for example, when LeBron James says Patrick Williams was really, really tough when I guarded him. Like, yeah, it's but new, like LeBron... It's news it- it's news if LeBron says, oh, that yeah. was easy. That was a pushover. I mean, I think he's a really promising prospect. I love his attitude. Like, he says all the right things. I think his attitude's been really cool. Like, he's not too high. He's not too low. He has a good game. He plays strong on a night against Kawhi or Giannis or LeBron, and he's like, you know, I got better tonight. I got to learn. And he recently revealed that he'll watch game tape 10 to 20 times of games when the Bulls play another star player. So, like, that's just an outrageous amount of film to consume. And, like, that's the type of guy you want on your team. So, like, yeah, really, really bright potential. But, like, he's still really trying to find his way, as pretty much all rookies do. He's the youngest player in the NBA right now at this point, you know, at 19 years old. So we know it's going to be a long journey. Uh, I think what we have learned about him, what's been revealed is that he'll be a power forward of the future moving forward, just kind of in the modern NBA uh, and the way the Bulls want to play under Billy Donovan. I know earlier in the year when Lowry Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. were both healthy, Pat Williams was starting at small forward. 
but like it seems like he's maybe a little bit more comfortable at power forward. I just think you open up your opportunities and spacing and just mismatches a little bit more uh, as you look into the future if he is a power forward. So that obviously will bring up the question of marketing Carter, who stays, who goes, what's all the future, who do we draft, this stuff. Um, but yeah, I like him. I'm not just quite as high on him lately as some people. Like he's, he's had a bad last three games, seven points, three points, seven points. I think he's like five of 22 shooting. So he needs to be a little bit more aggressive and just kind of find his offensive rhythm and confidence a little bit more. And that will come in time. So a guy I like, but give it a lot of time, a lot of time because he's young. And I think because he is so young and because they drafted him and are tied to him, I think that's probably the biggest indicator of anything for the Bulls about what their timeline is. And it's not fast and it's not like sign a star this offseason or something. Hmm. Um, I, I know he's not a, a name we think of in the grand scheme of things with the new regime here, but Denzel Valentine, uh, have they figured out a role for him? Cause I, I am one to look for the uh, made threes prop and he's mm-hmm. shooting a ton every night. He shoots so much. All the time. <laughs> and like he made, he made a passing comment the other day and I think teammates did too. They're like, well, you know, Denzel, you know about his confidence. I can't remember if that was Zach Levine. And it came like a day after, Denzel had been like, yeah, like I'm, I'm always going to be confident when I get out there and get the opportunity. And I just had to chuckle because like, that's the attitude again. Um, It's an attitude you want. You got to be careful. You don't want him to shoot you out of a game, but lately uh, he's been more (laughs) likely to to help the bulls certainly in that category. And uh, he's shooting a good clip from three point range recently. So uh, I mean, bench guy, rotation guy. I think that's what he is obviously on a one year deal here. Uh, with the Bulls, I don't know what that means for his future. He could be playing himself into a bigger contract elsewhere, but he really viewed this year as a fresh start, too, just with the new regime, and more specifically with Billy Donovan, because Denzel Valentine just didn't like Jim Boylan. Like, that was obvious. Um, those are my words, not his words, but we watched him um, be upset for a year just about his role or a lack thereof, not getting much opportunity. So uh, I like what Denzel's brought this year, but I, I don't think – He's certainly the priority or anything in the offseason. They'll have to see what comes along, see how he fits in uh, with the other players. They'll draft the other players they want to pursue in free agency or a trade and then make a decision on him. But uh, this front office wants shooters and guys who can pass. And that's actually maybe one of the biggest things I was surprised with so far is the Bulls just haven't added that much passing. Like they signed Garrett Temple in free agency. They drafted Patrick Williams who was not obviously a pass-first guy or anything. And I thought they would put more of a premium on adding that trait to their team sooner than later because of how you saw the Nuggets play when AK was in Denver as their assistant general manager and then general manager. I mean, a whole system and fulcrum of an offense around uh, Jokic, like maybe the best passing big man of all time. And then you come to Chicago and like it's like Kobe White's not a pass-first guy and you're starting a point guard who's a shoot-first guy. So the passing trait is something Denzel Valentine has um, for his position. He's not going to be a super high assist guy, but he sees the floor well. So I think that's probably what bodes best for his future with the Bulls. Um, but he also has his defensive limitations and the Bulls need uh, a lot better two-way players and he's not that right now. So we'll have to see who they kind of pursue in that realm uh, moving forward. Is year two Kobe White better than rookie Kobe White? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. Not not from a winning standpoint for a team because I liked his role for the Bulls better last year. Obviously, the Bulls are a little bit better this year, but I think that's more due to Zach Levine's ascension than anything else. Uh, obviously, and getting a little, getting a veteran bench using Thad Young in the right way has been the reason the Bulls are winning at a little bit higher clip. But I, I think this year's a lot of evidence, and this is another reason why you're like, are the Bulls competing for a playoff spot? Or are the Bulls like going to prioritize draft positioning? Are they going to sell at the trade deadline? All this stuff. Uh, I mean, I think this year they view as more of a rebuilding year again. I don't think like chasing the 10 seeds a priority when you're starting Kobe White at point guard because you would be a better basketball team probably if you started Tomas Sadoransky at point guard and let Kobe White cook off the bench rather than having to make a lot of decisions he's never made before. So this is a development year for him. And... Uh, it's been a struggle at times. Like his handle's not good enough to be a point guard. Like people want to talk about the passing, and I know I just talked about the passing a lot, but his ball handling's just too loose too often. We saw TJ McConnell give the Bulls fits on the first three possessions last night, uh, just forced a turnover from Kobe White. 
then uh, made the Bulls have someone else try to dribble the ball up the court. Then they're like, no, Kobe has to have the ball because he's a point guard. Then they got an eight-second violation that was like a nine- or ten-second violation, basically. He's just mm-hmm. not comfortable with ball pressure on him. And if you want to compete at the highest level in the NBA now and someone wants to guard you 94 feet, you need to cook right past them, leave them in the dust, and have a five-on-four. You need to have someone comfortable with the ball who's assessing the offense of getting into it. Um, so you can't let the defense dictate what you're doing, and I think all signs point to him. Um, being a combo guard, being a shooting guard, maybe being a sixth man, we'll have to see. Um, if Zach Levine's a shooting guard of the future for the Bulls, that means Kobe White's going to come off the bench. Uh, as you pointed out, if Zach Levine at some point is a trade chip or the Bulls don't want to sign a long-term extension, then maybe Kobe White can move into a shooting guard role in the future. But uh, we'll have to see. And they've given him all the support in the world. I understand it, but there's going to be growing pains. And you look at um, some of these these losses the Bulls have, and we look at all the plays in crunch time, but it's also the plays that get away early in the game, too many turnovers um, as a team for the Bulls. And that kind of starts at the point guard position. So he's learning. Um, he'll keep learning. And I think what we've learned is that what the Bulls have learned, not a point guard of the future, but certainly a young building block they still like. Joe Osho with um, I guess Cody Westerlin, 670thescore.com. Cody, let's uh, branch out. Let's let's not talk some bulls. How about the rest of the association? Are you buying the Jazz? Yeah, I think so. Um, Rudy Gobert in this season is so important. Like we've seen offense in this NBA just like erupt, and it kind of started in the bubble. We thought because maybe the lack of fans, maybe the teams hadn't been together for a long time and get their defense on the same page so like you move forward this year uh continuity such a big thing there's not as many practices this year um just because of the schedule being a little condensed um because of the covid testing protocols some of the schedule stuff games getting canceled reworked um i mean teams are canceling practice or if you have can't practice you might have like four people sitting out not because they have covid but because um they came in contact with someone who had been exposed or something so uh When you have continuity, and the Jazz have that, you know, just with Rudy Gobert in the middle for so long and with Joe Ingles playing there, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, like, they kind of have a foundation. I like how they're playing. Uh, They're starting to shoot at a little bit higher clip from three-point range now with uh, Bogdanovich and stuff. And they're a deep team, you know, like Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson off the bench. They have all the stuff, all the makings of a team, um, I think, that can make the Western Conference Finals if they can get the one seed, like I think the one seed matters to them so they don't have to see the Lakers or the Clippers in the two, three matchup. So when you say, am I buying the jazz? Like, yeah, I'm buying them from that standpoint. I think if you get to the Western conference finals, like we should be buying you and taking you seriously. So yeah, uh, I am taking them seriously. Like they know who they are, you know, Um, a lot of that um, Rudy Gobert offensively, like setting, setting screens, getting screen assists, dive into the hoop, letting Mike Conley, who settled in really well this year, having a great year, make plays, and then Donovan Mitchell hasn't quite been the guy he was in the bubble, but we know how good he can be and how much he can score. So um, they got a bona fide superstar scorer uh, at times, a guy that can go off and a team that knows what they're doing. So, yeah, I think I'm buying them. I mean, I, I still like LeBron and the Lakers. I love that team for what they're doing. Like, they feel like they're in cruise control when they need to be. They're going to take it easy with Anthony Davis and his injury. And I, I also like what they did with Dennis Schroeder and just um, add Montrez Harrell. Like, I feel like they got more dangerous. So I still like the Lakers more. But, yeah. I think the Jazz are here to stay for real. Yeah, man. I last twenty games, eighteen one and one against the spread. That's the oh. best stretch over twenty games that we've seen in thirty years. It's it's insane. Is if it you really? aren't if you aren't obsessed, yeah. If you're not obsessed with getting that superstar, and you're right, what we saw in the bu- bubble, if Mitchell can get back to that, he can be a superstar, despite well, what, I, ja- what Shaq will tell him. But the, the shooting they have, uh, making the most threes in the NBA on a nightly basis, you mentioned the rim protectors, they, they have a lot of important aspects, and I'm a fan of their head coach. I also like just the team construction right like no one is yeah. sitting here saying the jazz have a top 10 player in the nba like i don't know where you put gobert or donovan mitchell right now but i don't think anyone has them in the top 10 maybe top Mm-mm. 15 or so like if yeah. you're the bulls and you're looking at a blueprint of a team like it doesn't always have to be draft the number one superstar a top five player or trade for that person you know like when someone like james harden hits the trade block a top five guy in the nba like you can still build Um, like the Jazz have, and be really, really good. Now, it's a different discussion. Can the Jazz win a championship? Because I don't know that they're there yet. 
and that is obviously the point. But again, like baby steps sometimes, you know, you don't go from missing the playoffs to being a championship contender in the finals the next year, hardly ever in the NBA. That's not how it works. So the Jazz's blueprint, uh, I thought it's just been really good and something you can learn from and try to build through the draft. And they certainly have done that with uh, Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell as the building blocks. A lot of basketball left, but hey, man, did did anybody think that in this era you can build around the big, a big and they're doing it and playing at a high level in Philadelphia? Finish this one. Best team in the East is blank. I like Philadelphia. Yeah. Really? Um, okay. I know that might maybe that goes against the grain a little bit because of the obviously the net star power with James Harden, but I think in the playoffs, Joel Embiid, I still think can be the best player in the Eastern Conference, probably best two-way player in the Eastern Conference, I think, this year for long stretches. And I say that um, because I feel like they have an identity now with the three-point shooting a little bit more and the way he affects a game defensively. And, I mean, best team in the East, maybe I should restate my answer a little bit. Like, I'd be buying 76ers stock right now, like, from a betting perspective. Like, if you told me Nets 76ers play 100 series, I might, I would probably say the Nets maybe win more than 50, a shade over. But I really like what the 76ers have done. I, I think that's a team with a really high ceiling once they're healthy. Um, just with Doc Rivers doing a good job, obviously, and getting Seth Curry in the shooting. And Joel Embiid, like, the Nets don't play defense. And even if they start playing a little more defense, guess what? They don't have a center that can guard Joel Embiid. They don't have anyone that can match up with him whatsoever at all. So I think the longer it goes, I think the 76ers are going to kind of fortify this identity a little bit more. I think the Nets are going to continue to put up 140 points a lot of nights and continue to give up a whole lot of points. And the NBA is the one league where, uh, unless you really are LeBron sometimes, like you can't flip the switch. It's usually the one or two seed who's instilled these habits over the whole year and had consistency from night to night that's there at the end of the year. And I don't know if the Nets are going to be that team at the end of the year because of those defensive limitations in many ways. And, you know, maybe this is a litmus test for the NBA because it's always been you got to have a top 10 offense and you got to have a top 10 defense pretty much to win a title. And the Nets aren't going to have a top 10 defense and they're not going to have it in a year in which offense is exploding and they could have the best offense in NBA history now. And, you know, the mathematics will say, analytics will say, you know, offensive rating still a lot higher and defensive rating. That's all that matters uh, in the end. I just think it gets really a lot tougher in the playoffs. And I think that's where Joel Embiid can, can be his best and have a big man affect the game the most way. So I'd buy stock in the 76ers, um, obviously, when the Nets have the capability to be the greatest offense in NBA history. You, you got to respect that. You got to understand that that's a high ceiling that can certainly still beat them. But uh, I love what Philadelphia has done this year. I hope we start to see some semblance of defense played once we get to the postseason, like most seasons. Uh, yeah, like it, Cody, it was fun in yeah. the bubble for everyone to explode, but like it, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's been some really good se- series when teams are locked in on both ends, too. Cody, best of luck with your Bubba Watson pick at uh, Genesis. I'm not taking Bubba just because he's won three <laughs> times in seven years there or something. Did you make your pick yet? No, I have not. All right, let me let me let me get. Did you make your pick? No, guess. haven't haven't made the pick yet. I was oh, I was reading stuff Deke. this evening. Hideki. Uh, maybe. No, already took Hideki and I got two one and done pools. I can't remember. Um, already took Hideki and one of them. It might be the one we're in together. But no, man. Right. I mean, Hideki's the type of guy you you want to take here, like iron players, man. Like there's a lot See? of long iron shots. So maybe someone like Morikawa. You know what I mean? Ah, um, uh, you're gonna take Jordan. Speed? Yes. No, I already I already bet him to I bet him like I bet him on Saturday like 20 minutes before he made that shot on 16 for an eagle and I'm like I'm a genius and then his driver fell apart Sunday like yeah um, I know I got the text. that was yeah I I make I make smart bets on like Thursday and Friday and then like I'm like I'm bored and watching golf I need to put some money on Jordan Spieth just because he's so fun um, and I I do that knowing full well Jordan Spieth's always going to fall apart Adam Scott. It's a good pick. I just don't think he's going to go back-to-back like he won last year, right? Right. Yeah, but you'd be fine with top five, top ten? Yeah, I mean, get those solo twos and third-place finishes. Like, I'd love to – 
that that's a big prize pool in the one we're in together. Like we can we can have a showdown at the end of the year. I won't no, I won't no. like hedge or split it with you or anything, but I love a one on one showdown. You know? I'm terrible at one and done. Like anytime I'm debating really anytime I'm debating two or three, I always end up taking the one that's the worst. I, I don't know how you're so bad at it. Like it's, you're so I'm good so at terrible. Else. I know I'm so terrible at one and duns. There are hey, some man, some good betters. They just stink at these one and done pools. You should I'm one of them. You, you should uh, just play a few more golf matchups heads head to heads. Like I figured I out do. in the last few weeks. Yeah, like I think you told me that before. But like like fading Phil Mickelson was like the easiest money of all time last week. It's like how is that even on the board at like minus one twenty? You know what I mean? Like that's just absurdity. Um, so maybe the the plan is just hit a couple matchups and then take the money that I won there and put it on speed and just be back to zero and call it a day, you know, right. <laughs> that's right. That's the, the goal. That's the goal. It a little bit. <laughs> Cody Westland, 670, the score.com. Thanks Cody. Appreciate it, Joe. Have a good show. Yep. Good stuff there from Cody Westland on the bulls and the rest of the NBA. A lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Uh, if you missed what uh, we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. So, for a couple of hours, it looked like the Bulls were not going to have a game tomorrow, but they are going to have a game tomorrow just because they're not going to be playing the Hornets as scheduled. They will be playing the Detroit Pistons to make up a contest. So no off day for the Bulls tomorrow. Not playing the Hornets, are playing the Pistons. That decision was made earlier this afternoon. Joe Osho, Sports Radio 670. The score. Want to get to some back to some Bears stuff that uh, we didn't have time to. There are a lot of hot takes around the NFL about what the Bears are going to do at quarterback. And once they do make that big move, how good are the Bears? That's next on 670, the score in the radio.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.